Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So now do you think the Bucks did the right thing by not trying to find the next Sean McVay? We have Bucks coach Bruce Arians on the disturbing hiring trend in the NFL for my exclusive interview with the new Bucks coach. And is Julian Edelman. He's the MVP of the Super Bowl, but he's a Hall of Fame player? What did he and Tom Brady say they were doing after winning the Super Bowl? We're going to Disney World. And that's what they did, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday. So we got the Lightning are back in action against Las Vegas. And it's almost time for Rays Fan Fest. Boy, all that and more to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? You know, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning units or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. you got a lot of choices in air conditioning service. I'm telling you, you need to go see these folks. Trust the masters of comfort. Trust millionaire. Okay, so Steve, a lot of uh, Monday morning, I guess it would be overreaction Monday, overreaction super duper. I think it's super, a super overreaction Monday. Monday. Super duper overreaction Monday. And I, I kind of turn on... A lot of the talk shows, and um, and there was that. Uh, you know, anywhere from Sean McVay is the most overrated coach of all time to their quarterback is is a terrible first overall pick. The Rams got beat up. They took a little bit of a beating. Some of it deserved, some of it not. But the bottom line is that you know it is it is uh, it is a fair question to ask. And I wrote a comment about this in today's Tampa Bay Times. You can read it on TampaBay.com. And when I asked the question, did they do the right thing by not trying to find the next Sean McVay, let's be clear about one thing. The current Sean McVay, nothing wrong with him. Okay, no. Young coach, 33 years old, uh, has you know won 13 games each, each season. I think that he's, you know, remember what the Rams were under Jeff, July 9th, August 8th Fisher, you know, which is the Jeff Fisher day. Always went 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight. He acquired a lot of talent and did absolutely nothing with them. And then here comes... Uh, at the time, this 30, 31-year-old you know, head coach who had been an offensive coordinator like maybe one year in Washington, and he completely you know, takes the quarterback that uh, had been a bit of a bust as a rookie, turns him around, turns the team around. And, of course, they add some free agents this past year, and they go, you know, after losing in the playoffs last year, they go back and, and repeat as, as NFC West champions and then go to the Super Bowl. And, of course, I mean, say this. No matter what you think of the game plan, no matter what you think of anything, they were, they were in a game 3-3 against Bill Belichick and the GOAT, Tom Brady, with a chance to win that game uh, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they wound up losing, and there were plays they could have made. You know, if Brendan Cooks catches the ball in the end zone, um, you know, they tie it up, and they're, they're, still, they're still playing a game. So uh, we, it we wasn't were, as We if, were talking earlier, and the hard part for Sean McVay in this one is, you know, we talked about he didn't 
change anything or there was no trick plays. There was nothing trying to to grab momentum. True. But I guess being down three nothing most of the game, you're in. The, I mean, it, it's one scoop and score, one pick six, one punt return, one missed tackle on New England, and, and you could be a lead, have the lead in the game. But he probably didn't want to, you know, try a play like that and then have momentum go the other way if it doesn't work. You know, yeah, was, I mean, you, you know, in you, New Orleans, you know, they were down thirteen nothing, and all the momentum was at New Orleans, and so he does the fake punt to grab momentum back and, and probably you know save the game for them in that regard. It, it, you know, in the Super Bowl, I, it's probably hard to to pick your spot when to do that, especially as a first time coach in that game. But when you're only down three points, yeah, you don't have the momentum, but you're in the game. You're in a game. You don't want to create a bad play. And, and and the other thing to look at is, too, is their field position. They had bad field position for a good part of that game. And I'm talking inside the 20. And so, you know, at that point, it's situational football where you have your coming out offense. You're going to run the ball there. You're not going to make big mistakes and put your quarterback in the end zone throwing it where you might get a holding penalty or a safety or something like that. So, yeah, you're a little more conservative. But, but to your point, they did not adjust in terms of, you know, look, Belichick knew – you know, he knew enough about the Rams and what the Lions had had done to shut shut them, you know, shut them down a few weeks uh, earlier before the end of the season. Basically, they got a lot of a lot of bunch formations, a lot of picks, pick plays, and, and you know things that are that are man beaters, man to man coverage beaters. And so, you know, Belichick decided we're gonna we're gonna play cover four, we're gonna play cover three, we're gonna, we're gonna drop back in zones um, so that all that all that action doesn't get us you know caught up in the wash and create you know, wide open receivers that are able to catch the ball on the run and make yards after the catch. And so um, that's that's sort of what he did. And so McVay was slow and or did not really adjust to that. I also think, um, Stephen, we talked about this a little bit uh, coming on before the podcast, that, you know, no matter what you think of, of the game plan, no matter what you think of sort of, you know, we'll get to how the quarterback played and whether it was too big for him. And it, it, it may well have been too big, you know, for their quarterback at least this time. I mean, there is something wrong with Todd Gurley, and I don't – they can say he's able to play, and he can say I'm fine. Uh, he did mention that he had to take his physical, and you know, we'll see about something. But at, at the end of the day, Todd Gurley was their best offensive player all year, and he was one of his best running back in the NFL. He was in the MVP uh, conversation until the end of the he season. He absolutely was. But after the knee injury, and they had to sit him down, you know, what What did he do towards the end of the year and or the postseason? He was not the same guy. And and you can't tell me that all of a sudden Sean McVay forgot to give the ball to Todd Gurley. He wasn't being productive. And I think they knew why he wasn't being productive. I think, you know, when you lose that ability to explode, when you don't have confidence in that knee, when when something is, is, is holding you back, the fact that he's in uniform and he's in shoulder pads makes you feel better that, that he's on your bench – but but it doesn't make him productive in the game unless everything is perfect. And that's not the way Gurley played all year. You know, Gurley was the engine for that offense. And it was it was not, you know, it was not their quarterback. And so if you're gonna have if you're gonna have an offense that, that stalls, it's gonna be because you're not the same team. I mean, CJ Anderson can run the ball and he, he's a good complimentary piece, but he had to carry way too much of the rushing load late. And I think that, as much as anything, that that was their biggest weapon, and they didn't have it in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you know, and look, the Patriots, their success in this game was because Sony Michelle was running so effectively. Absolutely. I mean, both these teams rely on the run to set up the pass, Absolutely. even with Tom Brady as great as he is. Mm-hmm. And the Rams didn't have their best weapon. 
No. And I think that affected the offense. It affected Belichick's defense against them. I mean, everyone could see the last few weeks that Gurley wasn't right. Right. So Belichick knows that going into the game. So yeah, his whole his whole his whole thing was, that, and I'm sorry to interrupt. His whole thing was that he wanted them to have to try to drive the ball. He did not want to give up big plays like mm-hmm. most teams don't. But he felt that the Rams would would struggle trying to convert third downs. That if they got them in enough third down conversions, and they did, um, that they would get off the field. And he was right. Yeah, with a, with a third year quarterback. With mm-hmm. a first a first time coach in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. without your best weapon in the backfield, yeah, I mean sure. that, that's that's a smart game plan by Belichick, and and they executed it flawlessly. So there's there's a lot of talk about McVeigh, and I, I I think that most people, are, you know, there's no guarantee we'll see him back in the Super Bowl, but I mean it, it, it with what he has done, the as young as he is, the consensus that I've picked up around the league. Uh, certainly a one-buck place. They have all the respect in the world for him. They think he's a special guy. I think he's a special guy. I would have told you John Gruden was going back to the Super Bowl when he won it at age 39. At that time, he was the youngest coach to win a Super Bowl, and he never did. And so there's there's never any guarantee we'll see him on this stage again. Um, but you feel pretty good about his future, that's for sure, and the fact that he's already uh, taken a team to a Super Bowl. And, and so if he does, if he is fortunate enough to get back, he's going to be that much better for the experience. Now, what I wrote was – that you know, if you're if you're waking up as a Tampa Bay fan and you look at the eight openings that were there, including the Bucks, um, when when this coaching season started, how do you feel now about Bruce Arians? And what I mean by that is, not so much you know, if you had Sean McVay, you'd be pretty good, I think. But but the trend, you know, the NFL is has become it's a consensus league. The way you keep your job in the NFL is to build consensus and say, well, who wouldn't have done this? And so, therefore, when it fails, you can say, well, anybody, were, everybody was looking for this, and everybody, the trend was to get this. And the trend of late, because of Sean McVay's success, is if you can't have Sean McVay, get somebody that looks like Sean McVay, that dresses like Sean McVay, or that knows Sean McVay, um, but certainly is an offensive play caller like Sean McVay and someone in their 30s. And I'm just wondering if you're waking up today and say you're with the Cardinals or the Bengals or the Packers, should you be a little nervous wondering that you settled for someone simply because they were a handsome play caller that would look nice on the cover of GQ? In other words, you know, is is, is that really going to get you over the hump, you know, or is that just a trend? And I, I tend to think it's a trend. And more importantly, Bruce Arians – who, of course, is a 66-year-old head coach of the Bucs, um, he thinks it's a trend. Now, I had it. we're going to be playing my interview over these next couple of weeks, I would imagine. Um, I sat down with Arians before the Super Bowl. I think it was like midweek last week before he drove to Atlanta, and um, we talked about a lot of things. But one of the things we talked about and just came to pass was that, you know, what he thought was sort of a disturbing trend of, these teams, you know, trying to find the next Sean McVay. And again, he loves Sean McVay. He thinks there's only one of them. As a matter of fact, he thinks there's only one Kyle Shanahan. You know, some of these guys have been around football. But, you know, you look at Cliff Kingsbury or the Bengals, you know, Zach Taylor, who was a quarterback's coach of the Rams, or the Packers' Matt LaFleur, who was the offensive coordinator of the Rams a couple of years ago and was in Tennessee. Um, you know, these are 
you know, Taylor's 35, Kingsbury's 39, and he went, what, 35 and 40 at Texas Tech. And he didn't work with McVay, but he, he looks like Ryan Gosling, and so, you know, he looks like he could be a But he knows McVay. That's what the press release said. But the press, the, and this is astounding to me, this, and this shows, at least in the Cardinals, this shows the, the, the you know, the mortal sin here, and really the, the purpose of hiring Kingsbury. In the Cardinals press release, they said, and I quote, that, that Kingsbury was, quote, friends of Sean McVay, as if that was the biggest requirement to his job. I mean, sort of like, yeah, he was a head coach at Texas Tech, and here's what he did. Oh, yeah, and he's friends with Sean McVay. I guess Sean McVay at one point, uh, you know, was was around him talking about offense or went down to Texas Tech. I don't know. Have we done the six um, degrees of Sean McVay throughout the NFL at this point yet? It's incredible. I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, it, it goes right back to Gruden, of course, because that's, that's sort of where it all began, the Grudens and the McVays, and I wrote about that over the weekend. But, yeah, it's it, it, and, and I think that's the thing that kind of, you know, disturbed a guy like Arians. And I don't know, if you just look at the eight openings that were there, I would, if I was a Bucks fan, and I, this is going to come off as like, well, you cover the Bucks, so you feel this way. I really, it's really not about that. If I were a Bucks fan, I'd feel pretty good about having Bruce Arians, you know, because ultimately, let's say that lightning strikes, okay, and that's what you're hoping for. Let's say that Bruce Arians gets Jameis Winston completely straightened out, that, you know, they, the, the defense under Todd Bowles clicks, and they get in the postseason, okay? And whether it's this year, next year, or whenever, but in the, in the short term, somehow the Bucks win the NFC Championship. Of course, by that time, Tom Brady would be 46. <laughs> and still be <laughs> but, playing. But still be playing. But, but, I mean, ultimately you have to have a team and, and or coach that can go up against, against Bill Belichick. And, you know, of late, no one's been that successful doing it except, you know, the Eagles a year ago uh, when, they, when they scored a ton of points and still lost. Um, or the New York Giants, you know, many years ago with Eli Manning and uh, Tom Coughlin, who's no longer there. So, you know, they've lost three Super Bowls, but they've also won six. So, you know, ultimately that's your goal. Do you have a guy? And, and my answer would be, yeah, I think you do. You know, I, I think you have that guy whose team well, – we know it's not going to be too big for Arians because he's coached in Super Bowls before. You know, he's won Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers as, as their offensive coordinator. Um, so, you know, he's, it's not – the moment's not going to be too big for him. It might be for the quarterback or the team. So I just think that, you know, when you look at who was hired and this trend, and you're going to hear from, uh, from Arians himself in just a minute, but – I would feel pretty good, especially today, that you know what? Maybe, maybe for the Bucks situation, them zigging while every while the rest of the league was zagging, might actually be a good thing. Yeah, well, and it's funny with the Bucks, and I've always said this: whether it's football or whether it's a coach, whether it's business, whatever, is when you have an opening, you want to hire the best person. Period. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what mold or type or. And it, it mm-hmm. always felt like, at least the last few coaching hires, that the Bucks were looking for a mold. It always mm-hmm. felt like after Raheem Morris, who was kind of um, a, a looser type coach. And, inexperienced. Inexperienced. His, team was undis- his teams were undisciplined. Right. So they, they, went and, they went to try to hire Chip Kelly. True. And when they couldn't get Chip Kelly, which and maybe that was the best choice, but it was like, well, we found a college guy. Let's go hire another college guy. And I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but it kind of felt. No, but like I, it. I, 
No, it, it, you're exactly right. And if you follow the trail, I mean, it, it is kind of it is what it is. I mean, you had you had John Gruden, who was, you know, at that time, uh, very very experienced head coach that that wanted a ton of free agents that was going to change the roster every year. Um, that wasn't relating to his players. His players didn't like him, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't like him. Number one. Um, which is fine, but uh, it, it was starting to wear on the entire organization. So they went from him, who was paid a lot of money even to leave, to a guy in Raheem Morris who was really a player's coach. You know, mm-hmm. a guy that, that the players, you know, this is, they, didn't call him, they didn't call him coach, they called him Ra. You know, he, he was a guy that wasn't going to make much money, but he was going to get along well with players, and he was going to accept ripping up, and getting rid of all the all iconic old guys and going with, you know, drafting and developing young guys. So, so they got the opposite of what they had in Gruden. So then, you know, you go a couple of years with Raheem and he gets him to 10 wins and then falls back. And it's like, oh, we got to make a coaching change. So now we need a guy that's been a head coach before. And it was going to be Kelly. He turned him down. But not only do we need a former head coach, a guy that's been there before, and a guy like Graciano, but we need a disciplinarian. We need somebody that's going to really, you know, come in here, and straighten this unit up. And so you had the toes on the line blowing the whistle. So they go from Shiano, and then that that the whole building's burning down now. You got Mercer, you got all kinds of things going on over there, you know, captain's votes and Josh Freeman, you know, in the inactive suite and having press conferences with Josina Anderson and eventually he gets his release. Uh so so things are going nuts. Now you need now you need a guy that's been an NFL coach, not a college coach because he was a little too rah rah. We need a guy that knows how to handle the NFL, who's been there before, been there, done that, knows the Tampa way. And a little more uh, laid here back. Co- here, a little more laid back. Not Yeah, not as in your face. Here comes good old Lovey Smith, the Gerald Ford of, uh, you know, of head coaches. I mean, you know, when, when, when the country's falling apart. So you bring, in, you bring in Lovey, and, you know, he turns it into a family industry, and – I thought Lovey deserved more years, but he didn't get it, so things are going badly. You know, you know, and so you wanted to keep the quarterback, you wanted continuity. So you went with, you know, you went with Dirk Cutter. And now Cutter doesn't work out. I I mean, this was sort of a save the quarterback situation. There's really no there's really no jump. I mean, I think that Arians and Cutter are both experienced guys, but Cutter had, had not been an NFL head coach. I mean, he was learning on the on the job. He had been a head coach at Arizona State. He had been an offensive coordinator, but not an NFL head coach. And so now you go get a guy who, who's been there, done that, and is a bit of a quarterback whisperer. Um, so it makes sense that Arians, you wanted a guy that had experience in this job that wasn't going to be learning on the job, um, so you get Arians. So it does make sense that you know very often teams get what they did not have. If you want to predict what they're going to do, look at the last coach and say they're going to get somebody who's different. See, and I'd rather an organization go, I'm going to hire the best guy. Or best exactly. person, exactly. And instead of I'm looking for and and look, I think Bruce Arians was a good hire for the the Bucks. I think I do too. I think it was probably too. the best hire they could have found. But I wonder how deep they really looked at anybody else. <laughs> Not very. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we know that there, you know, there's only three other interviews we know about. Sure, um, sure. You know, and that's what worries me is that you know, and and you may have come back to Arians, and, and like I said, I I think he's a, I think he's a good hire for the Bucks. I think it was probably the right hire, but I want an organization that looks at everybody. Yeah. Well, remember, I mean, he was not he was retired. I mean, there was no thought of him even coaching. Right. Um, in fact, you'll hear him in this interview talk to you, you know, say that 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 in fact was not on his mind to coach again. Um, so, 
you know, in a way, he was a guy that was off the grid, and they kind of pulled him back mm-hmm. into it, which is which is fine. Um, but you're right. I, I think that the that the Glazers, if there's one, I think fair criticism of the Glazers with respect to coaching. I think you know, you you could argue well they don't they don't give a guy enough years, and that's true. Or you can look at it as if they're you know that losing is unacceptable, and they're not going to stand for for it, and that they want to win, and so that's why they change. But you could also say that they're very reactionary. You know, they're very, you know, sort of listen to the fans or what can we sell, you know what I mean? Or what's, you know, what's sort of the important qualities that that, that we need to, you know, we need to match with our team um, rather than, like you said, just simply casting a big net and figuring out who's the very, who's who's the next great coach, you know, who's the next guy that you're just certain um, is going to be successful and you know, look, Sean McVay, albeit, you know, was what, like just barely 31 years old a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. he got passed over by teams like San Francisco who thought he was too young. They just merely said, you know what? I mean, not that Kyle Shanahan's a fossil because he's still, what, like 40 years old or so. But, you know, they they thought that, you know, McVay was very impressive, but they just they weren't confident enough to hire him at that age. And you know what? See, he, to me, the age means a, nothing. But it, yeah, I know. But now, that's, that's if you feel point, a guy's not like, ready for it yet, that's okay. Right, and that has nothing to do but with age. He, I mean, you no, can be if he's, you can be forty five and not ready to be the head coach yet. Oh, absolutely, sure you can. You know, it doesn't mean the age, but it's you know, it's go through the interview process and, and figure out which person you think is the best. Period. Right. And I, I don't really care what is it in the Sean McVay mold, the Bill Belichick mold, the Andy Reid mm-hmm. mold. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is, find me the best person that's going to give my franchise a chance to win it all. Yeah, and the people that know him, I mean, he's a great leader. He's a great motivator. He's a great communicator. Uh, he's a really good play caller. He's a good game planner. So he had he had all the qualities, and if you sat down with him, it'd be hard not to notice those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the age got him. Ironically, what happened after he gets the job and he has success? Now, all of a sudden, 30 is preferred. You know, if we can get a guy in our 30s, boy, that's great. That's weird to me. You know what I mean? That's that's what the NFL has it has always been. I think if you can find a guy like Sean McVay in his 30s, then go for it. Exactly. Exactly. But not just any 30-year-old that right. coaches offense. That looks good. Yeah. <laughs> that looks good and, and coaches offense. And we saw and we've seen before. There was a stat by uh, Rich Goslin of the Dallas Morning News. I suppose it's true. He's really good at this. By the way, Bill Belichick at the MVP um, press conference credited Rick Goslin, who's on the Hall of Fame uh, committee that I just just sat in on uh, and, and and had a vote that that it was Rich Goslin who did a lot of draft work way before you know you had all these mock drafts and things. I mean, Rich has been doing it for years, but he was actually the guy that brought Julian Edelman's name up to Bill Belichick. How about that, sports writer? Wow. Sports writer getting credit for going to Bill Belichick and Belichick in the press conference today says, well, I got to credit Rich Goslin who turned me on to, to Edelman, who was a quarterback at Kent State. And, you know, we didn't know exactly what we would do with him. But when you put on the tape, you know, this guy plays so hard and didn't know if he'd be a receiver. And he even played defensive back for him a little bit. And he started on special teams and they worked him out a few times. And, you know, he goes against Ohio State and they get past, they get plastered, but they can't stop him because he's just playing harder than everybody else. I mean, it was really cool that – so, see, there you go. There's a sports writer who who uh, helped the Patriots turn – you know, because like, Patriots – look, it's been 93 days or 96 days since Boston had a world champion. I mean, that drought is over. 
finally. Yes. You know, they had to suffer, what, nearly three months? Yeah, some, they've had like, what, 12, ti- 12 titles in 17 years? It's just Boston insane, has. right? Is it just insane? It really is. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they have more Super Bowls than like, I don't know, a dozen and a half NFL teams <laughs> combined. I mean, it's crazy what they've done. Now, will oh, Rich Gosling anyway. be giving Julian Edelman's Hall of Fame intro speech? Well, I don't know. I don't know, and we'll talk about that. But before we get too far on Edelman, let's 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 just back up a second. I want you to hear a, a little bit of a snippet from my my exclusive interview with Bruce Arians, who talked about, you know, again, he's a big Sean McVay fan. What he wasn't a fan of was the trend to try to find the next Sean McVay. You should have been a head coach way before you were in the NFL. Everybody knows that, and you proved it obviously when you got your chance and and Chuck got got hurt. But you you were still that. I'm going to tell you what I think and not what you want to hear, guy. And in this league, it's a consensus league, right? Yeah. There has to be sort of like yeah. this group yeah. thing yeah. for you to. It's such a every year or two, it's so cyclical of who's hot. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody wants Sean, and there's only one Sean. There's only one Kyle. They grew up in this business. Right. All right. Years ago, it had to be. It was had to be the Belichicks and the Parcells and all the defensive that tree. Head coaches. Yeah, defense, you know? Yeah. You know, and um, so I was so happy for Vic Fangio. I mean, no one deserved it more than him. That's right. You know? And, and he may be the best of this, you know, the, the new yeah, guys I mean, he, that just got ahead He's most coach. ready because he got scars. Hmm. I mean, if you've been in one system and something happens, you can't call him how to fix it. you got to know how to fix it. Right. All right? You, you can't be a little position coach and have five guys – and a defensive tackle has a problem yeah. or is creating a problem. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, you better know how to handle it. You know, and Vic knows how to handle it. Not saying these other guys don't. Yeah. But, I mean, that to me, you're talking about 60, 65 guys in a coaching staff. To manage it's a lot of people, it is, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a lot of egos, and um, I just I don't I don't I don't agree with the, this this trend, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm I'm not pulling for anybody in this game, but I'm pulling for Sean because I really respect this guy. Right, you know, his his respect for the history of the game, and he's just different for his age. I would think with the with with the pressure of this league and the visibility that it has, it would. You were a thirty something year old coach one time. Can you imagine what some of these guys are stepping into? There's no way oh. they they know what this is going to be like. The meat yeah. grinder that this yeah. is going to be like. Because I mean, the league has changed even since you got in. I got I got to watch Bill Cowher do it. Yeah. I got to watch Mike Tomlin do it. Yeah. And uh, those are special Sean guys. Was smart. He had Wade. He got John Fossil. Yeah. So he can stay in his lane. Yes. He can handle that team, though. Oh, he can, yeah. I mean, he can handle that team, but he can really focus on his lane. Yeah. And 
you know, that was the one, only one smart move I made at Temple is I hired a 66-year-old former head coach, defensive coordinator, Paul Davis. Okay. He was the head coach at Mississippi State in 61. He was Shiv Jordan's defensive coordinator for 15 years at Auburn. And he played the old a split tackle, tilted, eight-man front. And I saw that coming back. Right. You know, because everybody was getting into trips and motion. And, yeah. And, and he and I sat one day at Alabama, and I said, Coach, wouldn't your defense really work? He said, oh, it'd be perfect, you know. And so <laughs> this is how I got him. I said, you need to come with me to Temple if I get this job. He said, oh, man. He was the guy I could go bitch to. I mean, that's why I tell all these young coaches. You have somebody. Back. You better have an old cat. You can curb your smart. I said, get you somebody you can bitch to. But you can't bitch to a young coach. He go home and tell his wife and I'm in the <laughs> everywhere. You know? Interesting comments from uh, Bruce Arians. I, I look forward to uh, playing more of that interview. Uh, you won't believe Arians' uh, story. Um, I have a chance to talk to him about his, about his beginnings, you know, growing up in York, Pennsylvania. His mom worked for York Peppermint Patty, as a matter of fact. Those are delicious. You ever wonder what? Yeah, they're absolutely wonderful. And his dad worked for Caterpillar, uh, the you know, the big equipment mover and just he, he tells phenomenal stories about high school and getting kicked out of high school and you know, why he gives guys second chances and going to Virginia Tech and playing quarterback and just how he got into coaching and all the stops along the way. But there's some really good stuff coming up with my interview with Bruce Arians that we'll be playing here over the next few weeks uh on the podcast. You mentioned Edelman just a minute ago. You know, I heard this going into the Super Bowl, and now it's even louder coming out. Somebody had said that, you know, Edelman had all these yards. I think now he has the third most playoff yardage, receiving yardage in NFL history, and Jerry Rice, of course, being number one. But the notion, like people were asking, you know, well, is this guy playing himself into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? And no question that his postseason numbers are terrific, but no, he's not. It's not even close. I mean, I'm, 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 I like having sat in that meeting, and and listened to the numbers that get spit out that people, you know, still don't make the Hall of Fame. A guy like Edron James, who, you know, sounds like Barry Sanders and Pate and uh, Walter Payton combined when you when you start looking at his numbers. Julian Edelman has no chance because of what he has not done during the regular season in his career. The postseason, sure. If there's a postseason Hall of Fame, he's in there. He absolutely. Maybe first in there. ballot. Maybe, maybe he's, I mean, you know, third most receiving yards in playoff history. That'll get you in, in the postseason Hall of Fame. Problem is they don't exist, you know. And if you look at his his regular season totals, I don't know if the guy's barely over 5,000 or 6,000 total yards. You know, I mean, you got guys with well over 10,000 yards that are not in the Hall of Fame, and he just hasn't done it um, consistently. Not to mention, and this is a weird thing, too, that I've never quite put my hand, my, my mind around. I mean, I kind of know what it is, but and, and maybe part of it's just baseball. But, I mean, here we are talking about Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame and what a great, you know, Super Bowl he had and everything postseason. You forget, like, 10 minutes ago, the guy was suspended for PEDs the first four weeks of the season. This season, like this very season that he had such a great performance in, he did PEDs. And the NFL, you know, their, their reaction to performing enhancing drugs are, eh, four games. If this was Major League Baseball, well, that, I mean, he's not, wait, four he's not ga- playing this four year. Game, no, 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 baseball's first suspension is 80 games. It's half a season. Okay, so NFL four suspends a quarter, a quarter of a season. season. So, I mean, so, it, so baseball's punishing more, but baseball is still only, 
I mean, it, baseball doesn't kick you out for until you get three times popped. What do you get? Like fifty games the first time? Is that what I it is? I think it's eighty now. It used to be oh, fifty. It, 80 now? it used to be fifty. Now I believe it's eighty. Maybe it's fifty in the minors. Um, that could be. But yeah, okay. So all right. So but commiserate to what baseball is, it would be half a season as opposed mm-hmm. to a quarter. Right. And and so he'd have maybe been out eight games. But the notion, like you know, say PEDs and the baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, he's Rafael Palmero. You know what I mean? Even if he had the, even if he had the kind of like, if he had Jerry Rice's numbers, he'd be Rafael Palmero. Like nobody would consider him for the for the Pro Football Hall of Fame if they if they knew he did PEDs. But but I mean, but, in but, baseball, but, I mean, but, but I mean, football's think, different. Think about it. You know, you know, growing eighties and nineties and that we all assumed they were all on PEDs. And we didn't call them PEDs well, we, in football, well, we, but well, we all we, assumed they were on steroids. Well, we knew they were because yeah. you had the whole Pittsburgh Steelers guys were dying of, of uh, yeah. you know, of various things, and they all said they did them back in the seventies. And then you had and the Raiders, guys like Lyle Alzado in the eighties, yeah. and and they all said they did them then. Yeah. And I mean, we saw you know, how big and fast and strong they were getting. We all oh. knew. We all knew they were. Sure, and there's way more banned substances now than there were in the last, you know, than there were twenty years ago. You know, I mean, I can remember. Look, I can remember when creatine was legal. In, mm-hmm. in the NFL. And it's bad for you. It's terrible for your kidneys. You know, Mike Allstott was a big creatine guy. Um, and it was legal when he did it. But, you know, he, he had to stop doing it. And and it definitely had an impact on his body. I mean, you look all kind of puffy and swollen. And um, like I said, you're, you're, you know, you got to drink it like a, an ocean of water with it or you're going to destroy your kidneys. But but football players, we just, you know, we expect them because they're gladiators, because they got to be all yoked up to play and they're going to ram their bodies into each other. We don't care what they do to make them look that way. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to me. But baseball, ooh, those numbers are, you know, those numbers are sacred now. Don't do anything to hurt the, hurt the rule book. It's just weird. It's definitely a, uh, a difference in the sports. It truly is. But Edelman, as a Hall of Famer, uh, I would say no. I would say no. He was, however, um, close by on uh, Monday. In fact, he was just up the road here in Orlando. Julian Edelman, Tom him, Brady, you just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm going to Disney World. Yay! And that's exactly what they said. Yeah, those two are in a parade at Disney World, which is a, you know just a quick one-hour flight or less from Orlando or from Atlanta, so it made it easy for him. Those things are cool. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm – uh, Pretty good friends with a former Times writer, Daryl Fry, who sort of helps run Disney's Wild World of Sports over there, and, and Reggie Roberts, who used to be the uh, vice president of media relations for the Atlanta Falcons, is now over at Disney. And uh, I've seen them. So what they do is, did you ever, did you ever wonder how they, how they get that done? Like how, you know, at the end of the Super Bowl. Aren't they season, signed the ahead of time? Of, Isn't it already? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're signed, sealed, and delivered ahead of time. And they do it. They do it with like a ton of players, like because mm-hmm. they really yep. don't know who the MVP is going to be, and it doesn't have to be the MVP. Like sometimes it's not the MVP. Like they took Brady um, this year as well as Edelman. Yeah, as well as well as Edelman, and it's and it's, it's. I don't know that they always do two. They usually, but I'm sure with the opportunity to get Brady, they they jumped at it. Um, but it's funny because these contracts are not standard. In other words, what they would pay, say. I don't know. No, Brady, um, I'm sure, is getting more than just about anybody. 
You know he is, and 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 Edelman probably a little bit more than some. And if it's Sony Michelle you know, who's a rookie, he's getting a lot. But Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle, and I'm just guessing here, but like Sony Michelle might have been offered fifty thousand dollars. Okay, had he been the MVP, like we'll give you fifty grand to go ride in a parade for an hour at Disney. Mm-hmm. We'll fly you down there, right after Super Bowl, and then you're done. Fly back and meet in the parade with your team on, you know, on Wednesday or whatever in Boston. For a guy like Brady, I mean. How much money must they have paid Brady? <laughs> it had to be a lot, man. I mean, it's Either not that like or he Giselle. just wanted a free trip to Disney for the family. Well, I don't even know that they <laughs> went though. It's a thing. Like I, I didn't, I, I really didn't see the kids. I mean, I, I mean, Edelman was talking about wanting to bring his little girl down there another time. I don't think there's time to really, you know, pop the whole family. I mean, look, they, Giselle and them can go to Disney anytime they want. Yeah. Can you imagine that though? By the way, like, you walk they could probably Disney rent out Disney and kick everybody else out. Oh, they do. They could. They, I'm sure they have VIP tours after hours and all that. I mean, I'm sure that would happen. But um, they could buy Disney. Let's face it. Him and Giselle have so much money. They could, they could, you know, replicate it in their backyard up there in Connecticut or wherever they live. But it's, uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. So, so you see, so in the press conferences, you'll see Reggie or you'll see Daryl Fry walking around with a with a big briefcase, and they got a bunch of contracts, and they're signing all these dudes to uh, for both teams. To uh, to Disney contracts so that when the game is over, you know you hereby agree to uh, you know to say you're going to Disney World and they give you a big check and everybody's happy. So they were at Disney World. Of course, the parade is today. I think in Boston, like they haven't had one of those recently. I don't know if they know how to throw a parade up there. Jeez, man, it's incredible. I mean, if you're tw- <sighs> let's see. So Brady last his first Super Bowl came. About 18, 20 years ago? 2002. Right? It was 2001 season, 2002, yeah. Super Bowl. So say you were five. Okay, so you have not known your team to ever suck. <laughs> I mean, you have seen Well, not only that, but six, in, that, in that time, you've seen the Red Sox have Super won Bowls. three World Series. That's right. That's the right. Celtics won the NBA Finals. And the, the Bruins won here. the Stanley Cup. All in that time. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's six Super Bowl championships, two World Series, and a three Stanley World Cup. Series, three World Series. Three World Series and a Stanley Cup. Right? And an NBA Finals. And an NBA Finals. I mean, come on. Come on. It's like 12 Save championships somebody. In, in 17 or 18 seasons. Save some for somebody else. No wonder everybody hates New England teams. Yeah. But the other interesting stat, and I saw today, and I've heard this every year, but – Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have not won titles in the same year. Really? So once Saban lost it this year, then then, then you knew that Belichick could win. Yeah, Belichick could win it. Yeah. But had Saban won it, Belichick would not have won. If you go back since Saban came to Alabama, and there's like two seasons, neither one won it, but otherwise, one of them wins it, but the other does not. They've not won it in the same year. That is crazy. That was wild, dope stuff. Um, yeah, huh? Interesting. Well, you know they're going to have to replace now their defensive coordinator, who is headed uh, to the Miami Dolphins as their head coach. And you know, yeah, there's who he's a report be? that uh, Ryan Tannehill's out in there. They're going to replace him. I saw that. And who are they, who are they going to, are they going to sign a free agent? You think? Like uh, maybe, maybe they're going to trade for Nick Foles or something. Although I know Jacksonville has a lot of interest in Foles as well, too. Yeah, uh, you're not going to have to trade for him. He's going to be a free agent. But they're going to franchise. You can buy- yeah, but he can buy out that franchise tag oh, for two million dollars, yeah. which which I think he they're trying to I mean, they're this trying is, to create interest or yeah, sure. urgency oh, for sure. a trade. Well, you want to protect yeah, you want to protect 
you know, exactly. If there's going rather than him become a free agent, they trade him now under the current, you know. Yep. Make you get like a third round pick or whatever. Sure, you can get some compensation for him, and then that way you don't have to try to just outbid a team when it, when he hits free agency, which I'm sure he'd rather be a free agent. But um, yes, yeah, so Ryan Tannehill could be out. So there's some changes. There's a lot going to be a lot. I mean, look, there's a lot of new coaches next year. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, after, after the Super Bowl is over, I mean, okay, so now you officially begin 2019 season. I mean, now it's on. It's all these tweets from the various teams about, you know, congratulations to the Patriots. Now it's, it's our turn, you know. On to 2019. That's it. You turn the page. There's, there's, yeah. no, there's well, no rest. What, about a month away from the league year starting and then free agency opens? Yeah, that's it. I mean, we'll be at the combine uh, at the end of February, and the the new year league the new league year starts uh, very early in March, and you got three days of uh, legal tampering, as they call it, in free agency, like March 11 through 13, uh, and then free agency, you know, hits right then, and then then you're soon on to the NFL owners meetings and the draft, which is at the end of April. I mean, this thing is so cyclical, and it just runs like a clock that uh, that never stops. So. Um, I was always I was stunned the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Just you know, it's not like hockey where you play to June, but I was stunned by how how fast the everything comes up on you when you when you play in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You're like two weeks later, you're at the combine, and you're like you feel as an organization that you're behind because you are. Um, not that you wouldn't take that because that that means you're successful. But well, I know when, you know uh, covering the Lightning. You know the year they went to the the Stanley Cup Finals in oh fifteen. My God. You know, you, you you finish the finals, and like a week later, you're at the NHL draft. It's incredible. And free agency yeah. starts a week after that. You're like, what the? And the NBA is the same I mean, way. Their drafts right after the the uh, year two finals. Yeah, yeah, it's like a week it, well, after the finals. It, when does the NHL stand? So if you go the full seven games, say it's like middle of June. Uh, is that right? I believe this year, if it goes based on last uh, the way it's gone, the few years one, two, three. Four, five, six, uh, June twelfth. June twelfth, so middle of June, yeah, and, and the so draft is June twenty first. Yeah, so you got no time for that, and then for the players, like they yep. start in September, right? Yeah, right after Labor Day. Now, granted, the NHL, unlike some of the other leagues, is you know July first is when the league year starts, free agency opens. You got a couple days of that, and by July fourth, they shut down till Labor Day. Right. The NBA and NFL have figured out how to make it a year round, fifty weeks a year. Yeah. You know. Um, NHL kind of shuts down for, you know, basically two months. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, at least you have that, but yeah, the NFL is, is deliberately going to stay open for business. And, uh, that's, that's probably never going to change, uh, so long as there, there was though, uh, did you notice how the ratings for the Super Bowl were like a 10 year low? How about New Orleans? (laughs) That might've contributed to it. (laughs) New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. Lost over fifty percent of the audience from last year's Super Bowl. Woof! As a market, and did you see the Times Picune uh, front that was page? Awesome. Super was Bowl. Awesome. What Super Bowl? That was just a blank page. Yeah, we had a uh, you know the uh, the hood rats as I call them uh, here in uh, Villarosa. We they, we have a a, a neighborhood uh, unlike unlike uncommon to man as Jim Harbaugh would say, and we all got together for uh, what is a Super Bowl party that I've not had a chance to take part in over the last, I don't know, 28 years. Um, but our, our, we were not at the Super Bowl, at least I was not. So I, I got to go there. And, and I think I mentioned this guy before, you know, it was such a devastating loss by the Saints. And so my friend Chris was actually host the party 
every year uh, in in quiet protest. He and his son wore their Drew Brees jerseys <laughs> during the game. <laughs> At least they didn't wear awesome. the Roger Goodell's a clown shirt. Uh, that was underneath them, I believe, like like Sean Payton had. <laughs> that was awesome, by the way. It, it I will say is. this. It is hard to imagine, and you can't really – no one will, can prove this or disprove it either way. It would be hard to imagine Drew Brees scoring only three points in that game and the Saints and Sean Payton. It is. You, you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think uh, Brees, especially being a veteran and Payton being a veteran coach, you know, I think – and I think they've played Bill Belichick enough too over the course of time. Probably. You know, and scouted each other a little more often. Just just feel like Breeze having won a Super Bowl, having all the experiences he's had, that he might have handled things and that Sean might have adjusted a little bit. You Not almost, to mention they probably they had a better team. <laughs> you almost wonder, but, too, and the story came out this week, that that Bill Belichick would text Sean McVay mm. after wins of, you know, hey, great, you know, whatever. Setting them but, up, but you almost wonder if Bill Belichick wasn't almost scouting the Rams a little bit all year, knowing that he hasn't coached against McVay. Mm. You know, you almost wonder if the, he's not spent a little bit of time throughout the season going, you know, okay, you know, Drew Brees and and Sean Payton, we know that team, and you know Pittsburgh and Roethlisberger and Tomlin, we know this. I mean, you know, as you're playing them, you're going to scout them, but you almost wonder if they didn't, if they hadn't, you know, spent a little time you know, periodically or maybe even in a bye week going, okay, who might we face that we you don't mean know? Like filming? You mean like filming their their Well, could, could be that too, yeah. Like, I wasn't even thinking that part. But <laughs> When you say scouting, yeah. I was just and, and want to make sure we're above board with everything. And, and look, and it helps that you had a former <laughs> defensive coordinator who kind of shut down the Rams in the regular season and Matt Patricia. Yeah, that's true. That's true he did. That probably helped. And Matt Patricia Although, beat wait, the but, Patriots. <laughs> Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah, he did. Wait, because and I always said this too, like this whole, like the whole mentor versus the teacher. Look, when a guy leaves a team and goes to another team, he hasn't he has a, an absolute edge on his former team because he knows all fifty three players. You know, what I mean, it's not just what the coach does and what the scheme is and all that. He has he has a good feel for the entire roster. Versus, okay, so you're Belichick playing the Lions, right? You don't know the Lions. You don't know 53 players on the Lions intimately the way he knows your team. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You might yep. know Patricia, and you might know that he knows you. But but clearly, you know, if you're just looking at matchups and things, I think I – think, But the narrative the going close... into the week was, look, uh, Bill Belichick knows Aqib Tlaib, and so he knows mm-hmm. how to attack him. It wasn't that Aqib mm-hmm. Tlaib knows Bill Belichick. Or, it was or Joel, Bill Belichick Joel knows Braden Cooks, Braden Cooks, you know, and they know yeah. his strengths and weaknesses, so they know how to guard him. It wasn't that Braden Cook knows Belichick and can help the Rams that way. The narrative all week was Belichick has the advantage of the players who left. Well, he knew the players, and, and you know, to that, to that point, I mean, he, you know, he, he doubled one receiver, and basically he just had Gilmore on, on Cooks and, and knew he could play a man-to-man. He knew that that was a good matchup for him, and it turned out to be, and and – Actually, I think Gilmore probably should have been the MVP. It's pretty amazing, though. You give the MVP to a, to a receiver who doesn't score a touchdown and catches 10 balls. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it should have been Gilmore or even Hightower could have been. I mean, your defense just, just basically pitched a shutout against a team that averaged 33 points a game. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't there have been somebody on the defense worthy of an MVP? And, and by the way, there was a better three-point performance this season in the NFL. I mean, the Rams That's... only scored three points, but they could have racked up 501 yards. <laughs> Yep. What team did that? Jesus. 
Uh, or Tampa the Bay new offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Colin plays that game. He did take it back that day. Yeah, that was the game he took it back. They scored three points and 501 yards. And then he made sure he never called plays again <laughs> after that. That was a weird deal that he – I mean, he was really up against it where he had to win. I got to win. I got to win. I'm gonna, I, I think we have to run the ball here. Munkin won't run the ball, so I'm going to run the ball. Well, he ran the ball. Um, and then they had all those red zone turnovers with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, that didn't work out too well. Anyway, season is over. That's a wrap on the NFL um, for now. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot, like I said, a lot about – uh, you know, Bruce Arians and, and, and the interview with him. And, and, of course, it won't be long before we're at the Combine. Um, but we've got the Lightning in action against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. What has happened to Las Vegas? I thought they were going to be the team of the ages that, with, the, with the splash that they made last year. Well, I mean, they're good. They've lost four in a row coming into this game, so that always worries mm-hmm. you a little bit. I mean, right now they're third place in the Pacific Division, which has Calgary, who's leading the West. And there's well in San Jose, who you know added Eric Carlson over the the, the uh, off season. So there's good teams out there, yeah. Yeah, I mean they're still ten points clear of a playoff berth at this point. So they're That's doing good. they're doing fine. I mean they're not they're not leading the division, but I think you know teams know them a little better too. Yeah, and I think and I think some of that home ice advantage of the Vegas flu. I think <laughs> as you go in for the second and third and fourth year, it yeah becomes less. Teams I mean, are the first time in. It's like spinning. woo Vegas in the middle of the season. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, and you might not have that extra day off in Las Vegas. You might take it in Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> instead well, of, sure, sure. Instead but, of going over there first. But I think, you know, as players, you know, okay, now we've been here a couple times, and, you know, we'll go out and have dinner and maybe play some cards or whatever, but it's not the necessarily the party. It's it doesn't have minds. to be, you know, after it's every year doing that. But the first year, you can kind of understand that too, so. Yeah, well, all that's factored in, so – Lightning have them at uh, at Emily Arena tonight, and then uh, and we've got Rays Fan Fest coming up on uh, this Saturday, right? This Saturday, yeah, we're going to be there from uh, noon to two. We're going to be taping some interviews that you'll hear on the podcast over the next couple weeks. But come out and say hi if you're at Rays Fan Fest. It's a free event, but you do need a ticket to get in. You can get that at RaysBaseball.com, but the mm-hmm. tickets are free, and parking's free, I believe, too. So. It's a cool event. It's cool for the kids. I think I might bring my girls because um, there's a lot to do. I was looking at their uh, TV ad today, and uh, I, I forgot. There's their, And they've got merchandise, you know, some of the kind of a yard sale of merchandise mm-hmm. or raise equipment and jerseys. And that all like goes that. to the Rays Foundation, cool. I believe, too. So. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great year. I mean, the Rays coming off 90 wins. I saw where uh, I think it was Tommy Pham was uh, on somebody's list for one of the most over, uh, the all underrated team. So that's cool. So I'm looking looking forward to doing that. We're gonna we're gonna have some pretty good interviews. I've seen the list, and I, I think we'll be happy with uh, some of the guys. We'll get a chance to talk to Mark Tompkins. Going to join us as well, so we'll have that for you uh, next week. So mm-hmm. still got a lot to to uh, talk about this week. Might do a mailbag one day. Um, of course, the Lightning. We'll have plenty of Lightning talk going forward, and uh, anything else that might come up with the Bucks. And eventually, I'll get to the uh, to the Bruce Arians stuff um, that we'll play for you on on Sports Day Tampa Bay. In the meantime. Hey, make sure now you got a lot of choices of air conditioning uh, companies out there. And being in Florida this time of year with the weather changing from hot to cold, you know, make sure your air conditioning is in good shape. Call our friends uh, Howard and Sue Million at Millionaire Air Conditioning. They've been doing this in the Tampa Bay area uh, for just uh, 30 years. I mean, three decades. And so they really know their business and, and they know air conditioning. They're at 727-862-2100 and you can uh, – 
save some money, too. You can get a uh, 0% interest for 72 months on some of their qualifying uh, train equipment. So call them today at 727-862-2100. Trust the Masters of Comfort Millionaire. My thanks, as always, to uh, Steve Versnick, uh, and we appreciate you guys listening each and every day. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.